In case of emergency, the exits are here, 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 anywhere. Keep your hands and arms inside the carpet. We here. Name is Hades, Lord of the Dead. Hi, how you doing? We dance, we kiss, we schmooze, we carry on, we go home happy. What do you say? Come on. I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing that was all started by a mouse. Welcome, Ohana, to the Disney Guys on Censor. This is episode 99, recorded on Monday, February 8th, 2021. We're your hosts, Drew, Bob, and Jordana. On tonight's episode, we discuss Disney Dodds, and after 99 episodes, we finally bring you Powerline. So come, journey with us as we raise the woof, eat some popcorn, and stare into each other's eye to eye. Ah, classic dog puns. Gotta love them. I know how much Bob loves them. Um, <laughs> that might be your worst intro ever. Bob, I gotta ask you. I loved it. I love seeing Bob's reaction. I have to be honest. Bob, did you hear about the dog who gave birth on the side of the road? She was ticketed for littering. <laughs> okay. Bob. Plenty more where this comes from, uh, folks, tonight. So uh, I hope you're ready for it because I pug and love it. Let's head on over to BuzzTube. Hey, Gord! Gord! If I can just find... Gord! Oh, there you are. All right, folks. Season 2 is upon us. Episode 100 is right on the doorstep, which means you're running out of time to fill out the Season 2 survey. It ends this Sunday, February 14th. Happy Valentine's Day, folks. Um, follow the links. It's in the show notes. It's all over our social media page. We'll be posting it again throughout the week. Go on there. Give us some feedback. Um, and if you do, you have a chance to win yourself a $15 gift card. So why the hell not? Uh, the other thing I want to say is I want to say a big thank you uh, to a lot of new listeners we have out there. Um, we know you're out there. We know you're listening, so thank you. We've also seen a lot of activity over on our Facebook business page. Remember, if you do give us a like, thank you, but also head over to our fan group, the Ohana, and follow us uh, there as well. That's where a lot of our action and fun really happens. Uh, and the last thing I have to say is, as always, thank you to our amazing patrons over at Patreon. Um, that is www.patreon.com. Dot com backslash the Disney guys uncensored. We just all been one put, word, all one word. Absolutely. We just put out a um, episode five of Welcome to Westview. That has been an absolute blast. Where Tim, myself, um, and Bob have been breaking down WandaVision episode by episode, and they're short, right? 15, 10 to 15 minute episodes. Um, we talked about some Easter eggs, you know, our theories, mostly those two guys, and I kind of just sit back and listen because um, why not? But um, if you like that, um, there's going to be a lot more potentially of this in the future. Who knows? Maybe Jordana will do a series on Puppy Pals. I'm in. I'm in. I will rank the, all of the episodes. <laughs> oh, jeez. I literally watch them in a week. <laughs> uh, well, folks, that is wrapping up BuzzTube. Let's head over to we have some big news in the Disney News Desk. <laughs> Uh, 
I gotta tell you, this was the worst intro and one of the worst buzzes we've ever done. I'm happy to be here tonight. Uh, the Disney News Desk, uh, I guess it's big news for people out in California. Uh, Disney's California Adventure will be reopening next month. I use that uh, in air quotes. You can't see it. We're not a video podcast. As uh, the park will host a food and beverage event beginning in March. Uh, this event will be offered multiple days a week and will allow guests to walk around most of the park eating at outdoor dining areas situated in many of the park's iconic lands if i may i don't think i don't think iconic lands when i think of california adventure i really don't i i don't the park is actually only 20 years old today february 8th drew how about that hey happy Uh birthday (laughs) but uh obviously all the the attractions and shows they're not going to be operational uh, I guess the big thing to take away from this is there is a potential for like 700 to 1,000 people uh, getting their jobs back at California Adventure. It's really cool. No pricing or, or information has been out there. I guess Knott's Berry Farm out, out in California is doing something similar uh, where they it's like 25 30 bucks and you get a couple snacks from different carts. But I'll be interested to see what they do. I know uh, Andrew and myself had some disagreements about the number of cast members that would be brought back for such a limited event um i guess uh, only time will tell all right folks topic of the week here we are all about dogs i you know i just love it but you know the other day i i i went to the zoo to see some dogs but they didn't have any it was pretty you know pretty shit zoo yeah. Hey. See, see what this is uh, Anyways, you be watching your language on this podcast. <laughs> Shih Tzu is just a breed of animal. So, true. anyways, folks, what we're doing tonight is myself, Bub, and Tim went out and created our. I'm sorry, myself, Bub, and Jordana. Um, we went out and we each created our own top ten list. And um, once we saw that Roly and Poly was. And that's not even their names. What are their names, Jordana? Bingo and Rolly. <laughs> Bingo and Rolly. Oh, good lord. This is going to be an interesting night. Um, once we saw that Jordana had them ranked in the top two, uh, we decided we had to kind of remerge this list into a uh, an official Disney Guys Uncensored top ten dog list. But, Bob, why don't you tell us a little bit who we may not find on this list? You will not find Goofy on this list. And why is Goofy that? is not a dog. Goofy is just Goofy. Goofy. Um, yeah. Actually, it, it, I, I think the key takeaway here is it ended up where a lot of the dogs, all of the dogs on our top ten list, with the exception, I think, of Rolf, who was in my top ten but did not make our top ten, uh, are actually dogs in terms of four paws on the ground, as it were. It's a very um, <clears throat> dogish thing. I mean, uh, we successfully, me and my friends, you know, we were once dog breeders. We uh, actually successfully made it a, a bulldog with a shih tzu. Uh, we actually called it a bullshit. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, you know, speaking of dogs, you know, I think this is the perfect <laughs> opportunity to let the world know that, um, listening, you know, you guys have the, the, the honor of listening to a little bit of a celebrity because, uh, you know, not to toot my own horn or anything, oh, but God. I, uh, I was in Disney's Underdog. Believe it or not, uh, as many of you may or may not know, the film was um, – produced and filmed in the little state of Rhode Island at Providence in Providence. And I happened to be in my, the height of my movie career. And, um, 
let's just say I made the final cut. A couple scenes here and there. You will see myself in that film. Specifically in the scene. Oh, I don't want to say. That's kind of a spoiler if you've never seen the movie. So I'm not going to say that scene. But I'm in there. Keep an eye out for me, folks. Especially around the state capitol. So anyway, folks, we have an interesting top ten uh, coming at you. Let's get right to it here tonight. Uh, coming in at number ten. He received two votes in our in our cumulative process. I did not vote for this dog, but Andrew and Jordana did. It is uh, Buddy from Air yes. Bud. Um, Golden Retriever, I believe. Yes. Of course. Yeah. Um, listen, he's got a lot of movies. He's got the Snow Buddies, the Air Bud, you know, the Touchdown Bud, whatever the hell the football well, one's called. Well, he's not in the, the, the puppy ones. No, no, no. But, like, this dog was, like, the, 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 the catalyst a for a series. Right. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty – it's a fairly well-known brand. Um, Snow Buddy, I think there's an Easter Buddies movie. Like, it's just it's – they're, most of them are on Disney+, Plus, and, and they're okay. But Air Bud, definitely the best of those movies – um, Air Bud himself, buddy, I, I think is a solid little pup. I don't mind him. Didn't make my top ten, but Jordana, why did he make your top ten? I think the fact that it, this is our only – it is, right? Yeah, so this is our only dog on there that's not a realistic dog. Or that uh, is a realistic yeah, dog yeah, against yep. all the other characters. It's our so, only live-action dog? Live-action, yes. Right. So – with that being said, I think that that makes it kind of lovable, and that's why Airbud made my list because I thought I I personally love golden retrievers, and I think that that's why he made my list. He was number ten. He he did almost not make my list, but correct. I I I think he was around number nine for me. But here's the thing with Buddy. I mean, you can't help but to feel. You know, feel bad for the guy. You know, he he's he's working for this idiotic maniac clown, and uh, you know he just wants to escape reality. He wants some some love. You know, he's getting the tough love, and he he's tired of it. And then he comes across, you know, a nice nice boy in a family, and then from there he escalates into a a super puppy. I mean, it's just everything about it. You're rooting for him the whole time. Uh, but yeah, is buddy. It, I mean, is it a not? true underdog story, Drew? Ho, 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 ho. You know, it's funny that Shine didn't make this list, and I bet you 99.9% of people out there don't even know that Shine is the actual dog's name in Underdog, because Underdog is, of course, the superhero. You need to have a true identity, Shine. Yeah, okay. Just like uh, Buddy. Buddy so, could have had so, a... Uh... So number nine on the list, Jordana, <laughs> me and you did not have him on our list. Um, he received one vote. One vote from Drew. Drew, who's our number nine dog? Number nine list um, from a terrible movie, but Percy, the, the lovable bulldog uh, of, of Governor Radcliffe, really, right? He's a it's, pug. I don't think he's a bulldog. I think he's pug. A pug. I'm sorry. That yeah, I'm a mess tonight. Pug. He is a he is that that's puggish of me, but he, he is a pug. Um, I mean, he's Governor Radcliffe's little sidekick guy. You know, he he follows this. You know the bad guy-ish within Governor Radcliffe, and you could see it down at the Percy as he plays uh, the bad guy with all the other little creatures of the forest. And, I mean, just seeing him trying to eat the biscuits and, and you know, flick in there trying to steal the biscuits, it's 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 fun. He has a, a character of, and, and some, you know, it's just a fun-loving dog. It's you had him in the top five. That's that's, yeah. It was, I think this was one of those, like, I had the plushy stuffed animals as a kid. You know, I got them probably when I went to the park. And it was just a little more of a sentimental thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I think he, you know, 
I look forward to Pocahontas with a lot of the scenes with him and Miko and and and, and Flit. Is that the bird's name? Flit. Flit. Yes. The T. Yeah. Well, close enough. But um. No, because Flick is the ant from above. I know. Him, so it's kind of right. You know. I did think of that after. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Percy. I, I think he's a cool little dog. That's all. I want to be on. Put him be on his bad side. I just didn't put him on my list because I. I put dogs on my list that are memorable to me. I didn't go and look up like Disney dogs to look at a list of them. I said, what dogs can I name that I remember that I like? And I put that in my list. So that sounded rather accusatory. Are you accusing me and Drew of doing research for this episode? You literally just follow it up with a story I told you about of me getting a plushie of him. Listen, that's your memory. That's not my memory. That's why he's not on my list. Drew, would you say that the plushie was a core memory for you? Yeah. (laughs) It's an inside out reference for you people listening at home. That's what, we're, that's what we're resorting to here already. Are we, are we memory a scorecard of puns and references right now? Because I think so. That's what this episode is going to be filled with tonight. Um, well, what else is there to do when you're talking about just ten dogs? It's it's uh, not our finest hour. But anyway, number eight, Jordana, a dog very close to our heart, I know. I, and let me preface this next thing with I did not have this dog on my original list until my wife yelled at me when I came home. There. So mm-hmm. um, admittedly, uh, Jordana – Little brother is a great pooch, and yeah, he's from Mulan, the animated yeah. version. Jordana, um, what do you got on? What do you got on little brother? So I think little brother has the first comic relief in um, in Mulan when he is feeding the chickens and goes and runs around, and that first scene where he's kind of like interrupting the prayer. Um, and um, I think that. I don't know. I just, I love that scene. I always remember the start of Mulan with that scene. So that's why I put him on my list. Yeah. So Mulan is uh, Meg's, one of Meg's favorite Disney movies, not the live action. We still haven't watched it yet, but um, (laughs) the animated version. And I actually, much to Drew's uh, Percy's story, I actually got Meg a little brother plushie from the Disney store um, for like a holiday or something. I don't don't know. They have it. But uh, it's somewhere. I think it's in our basement still. But little brother, he's still. adorable. I think is the thing for me is he's an adorable little character. Um, yes. I've always said that I, I found Figaro from Pinocchio to be like the greatest piece of Disney animation without like humanizing an animal. Where I think That's as fair. a cat, I think Figaro is just so great in Pinocchio. Little brother could low key be the best quote unquote true dog on this list in terms of animated dogs. Mm-hmm. I mean, because he, he's probably, I think, the only one, ex, you know, no, no, a couple others on here, but one of the few on here that doesn't actually speak. He's just a dog, yep. a legitimate dog, and I think that was kind of the reason that I, I did put him in the top ten for me, was that he wasn't a humanized character. He was just yeah. a dog, and that was that was big for me. Yeah. it's a good one. Drew, I well, think I'm going to let Sam, I'm going to let you open up the conversation number seven well there's no need to open it up because i mean i i obviously can't even get their names correct um <laughs> as i as i am known to that's another story we could get into but jordana introduce us uh a, i can't believe i'm saying that this is the disney guys uncensored official number seven best dog of the entire disney world canon the ever. number seven best disney dog ever. of all time live of action, all time cartoons Hundreds of years of, of, of 
content. Jordana, what is it? I picked Rolly from Puppy Dog Pals. Um, well, that, no, 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 no. You didn't just pick Rolly. As my number one. Add him as, as the number one Disney dog of all time. Now, That's incredible. 90% of the people out there are yelling at the radio. One, who is Rolly? And two, what the hell is Puppy Dog Pals? Okay. So, Jordana, please explain yourself. So, my son has been watching Puppy Dog Pals nonstop since he was about 18 months old. And for some reason, we cannot change it other than Puppy Dog Pals. So, with that being said, we have learned every joke and we have you know how there's like hidden jokes in kids shows where it's like if you actually pay attention it's freaking hilarious so with that well (laughs) i mean it's a puppy page turner so (laughs) she's even getting on board here she's She's in we're off the rails jordan is even that's that's a roly quote by the way um but (laughs) so he made my number one because he is my favorite character now he is hilarious i don't like that they changed the voice so much in season three and four but that's the the brown tannish one yes so he's like the sillier one, and Bingo's like the bigger brother that's always kind of straightening him out. So that's kind of why I obviously picked the sillier one for. But Rolly is amazing, and I would like the record to show that we fantasy booked like a pick your favorite character and create a meet and greet an episode like oh, 35 yeah. weeks ago. Yeah. And Jordana's answer was the friggin' puppy dog pals. Oh yeah. So, I'm so, every, so clearly she's all in. She is all oh, in on the puppy dog pals. And uh, you guys easy. don't understand how it consumes my life. <laughs> I'm a huge supporter of captain dog. Oh yes. Captain dog, which is, 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 is uh arch. Uh, what do you call it? Who's the no, I don't. Part? He's not anybody's no. arch anything. He's Captain no. Dog. It's like a TV it's show. His alternate. Uh, it's not even. No, it's not even his alter alter ego. It's um, it's, it's like a, a character that they watch on TV. It's a meta. It's a show on. within the show. It's oh, brilliant. it's not even actually him. No, they it's like the dog, I know Captain uh, Dog. It's like the dog from Hundred and One Dalmatians. The uh, the dog they watch. What's his? You know what I'm talking? What I'm talking about. Yeah, the Canine Crunchies guy. What the hell's his name? <laughs> canine Crunchies. How yeah. did that song not Thunderbolts. 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 Uh, we need we need an editor that can add the, the that song to this uh in, intro intro. Anyways. So that's why I picked really, and I highly suggest if you have not seen an episode of Puppy Dog Pals, go and watch one. Well, we've had a, we've had a lot of fun at Jordana's expense on this show. I will tell you from what I've watched of Puppy Dog Pals, it's very good. And I would just recommend make sure to have your your pets spayed or neutered and adopt. Don't shop. There you go. Uh-huh. All right, on to number six. This is one that did not make my list, but Drew. I mean, this is a dog that we all wish we got to know and love um, before the afterlife. However, it did not work out that way. Um, so we're talking about one of the best films of all time, Nightmare Before Christmas, and the beloved Zero. Um, I mean, just the design of, of Zero as a ghost dog is, is amazing. And then you get the, you know, the little pumpkin nose, and he's just kind of floating around. I mean, he doesn't really have a big role in the film, but I think there's just something about it being, you know, Jack's companion and, and just being there and the design of him. He's just such a fun, 
loving little character. And and with the movie being such a you know a cult favorite classic, it's it's just uh he's an amazing character. Uh, now Jordan, this did not make your list. No, I don't know if you remember back when we had all. Oh. Halloween episodes, mm, but uh, the Izzo household is, we're not big fans of Nightmare Before well, Christmas. Let's move on, Bob. You are a fan. Um, yes. So what, what's your take on Zero? I would just like to say that I didn't know Biscuit as a dog, but I knew Biscuit as a table. All four legs the same leg. Oh, sturdy. Say something about my mother. Oh, oh yes. It, and Pache and Requisate and, and all that stuff. What is that? It's a deep family guy reference when Brian's mother dies and they stuff her at the farm that he grew up on and he they they break her tail and bury her and he wants Stewie to say some words. It's check it out, it's great. I love Zero, he's fantastic. My favorite scene is when they're shooting at him and Jack is delusional and they oh, say, Oh yes. look, they're celebrating us and Zero looks scared out of his mind as a Even ghost dog. Ghost. Yeah, right, it's unbelievable. I just think for a character that is literally the furthest from a dog that we have on this list, legitimately, hmm. as he's a ghost, he pretty much looks like a sheet. I will say to you that uh, he has a lot of character in that design. I, I just, yeah. I, I love the character. He's fantastic. Did and you, um, you ever see all of like the theories that kind of talk about like the corpse bride that connect all of the movies? That and that, except um, for him not being Frank and Weenie. Correct. What's his name? Not Sparky. Sparky's from Frank and Weenie. I forget the dog's name from... Um, You're Corpse a bigger fan. You, you got engaged the Corpse Bride, which is a fun story to tell. That is a fun story. Probably I mean, we have not plenty of time to tell. We have plenty of time to tell it. I mean, <laughs> but anyways, this episode the theory is already is two-thirds that, over. Um, look up the theory. It's actually very cool how the Corpse Bride is, is actually, rel- you know, like Jet Skeleton and stuff in his previous life and, and how the dog was is actually zero. It, it's, it's, it's actually a very intrigued even though they're not disney corpse bride it is obviously tim burton still no, no, um, i wasn't kidding i want to tell the story of the time that you rented out a hotel room in newport and you and amy went i was in newport right if i remember correctly it was newport I mean, right yeah all right you was newport and uh, jordan you know this story it's, it's not a story it's a great you know. no it's great it's very cute i, I mean I, you I know, know. What, no, it's, it's very cute because you short love, and sweet short and no, sweet so, obviously so, i love so you love tim burton i love tim burton. That you anyone listens to the first 100 episodes of this podcast knows you're a big Tim Burton. I'm not having to go with you. I think it's actually no, my, really sweet what you did. My, my wife's and I first date, we went to go see the Corpse Bride in the theater. So for mm. engagement, I, I ended up putting together Somehow this. Somehow he landed her, folks, just so we're clear. This cute little <laughs> PowerPoint. You know, it was a slideshow of, 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 of us and pictures and blah, blah, blah. But the last scene in the PowerPoint was a video clip of the scene mm-hmm. in the movie where he's proposing he's practicing his proposal in the woods victor and he says with this ring i asked you to be mine and what i did was is i kind of made it look like it stuttered and it just literally played that clip i asked you to be mine over and over and over and over again until she finally looked at me and she understood and at that point i already pulled the ring out of my pocket and i you know proposed so uh yeah it is a very sentimental this is what people listen to. This is what people listen yeah. to us for. Human stories. No one yeah. gives a shit about these Disney dogs. I promise you that. Well, the next one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that brings us on to number five. Uh, this is a dog, I think, out of any Disney dog, um, maybe top two, that you could compete with maybe another one, that you want to just open up your arms and give the biggest damn hug you possibly yeah. could. I agree. <laughs> and I'm talking about Matt's from The Little Mermaid. Now, this also was the first dog on our list 
that we all voted on. All three of us agreed uh, Matt should be on the list, and he placed at number five. Uh, I mean, he's not a huge character per se, but I think he has such a strong presence in the scenes that he's in, right? And, and I think it's his, his big, loving fluffiness that just kind of sticks out at you. I think it goes back to what we kind of said about Zero's character work and Little Brother being a non-speaking dog as well, where I think Max is just a dog. That it's just a simple design. He's a sheepdogish looking thing. I don't know that he's a full sheepdog breed, but that's kind of the design of the character. <laughs> and he's just so fun and fluffy. Andrew's absolutely right. You just want to just wrestle him. Like he just I, I, of all the dogs on this list, except for maybe the next one, I feel like Max has the best relationship with Eric, like his owner. Yeah. More so than almost yeah. any other character on this list. I just think it's such a pure friendship that that Max and Eric share, and it would it's kind of Drew like you and Goomba. Goomba's yeah. your little buddy. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. it's, just, it's very simple. It's it just it's a very wholesome relationship, and I think that's kind of. I mean, Max is one of the first dogs I thought of when we started this list. Me too. So. Same. I mean, and I, I watched The Little Mermaid this weekend, and I am sort of mad at myself that I didn't put Max higher up in my mm-hmm. list, meet number nine. And uh, yeah, that was a big uh, mistake on my part. But no, no, but listen, both- it's not though, because I feel like that the people that are listening to the show don't appreciate how many dogs there are in the Disney universe and how many dogs we don't have on our list. Correct. It's a very, cause we didn't limit it to animated or live action. Like it was literally, we had, I, I had at sometime when I was workshopping, I had uh, the dog with the keys from parts of the Caribbean on my list. I had Rover from, from uh, uh, Carousel of Progress. I mean, so it, it was, it was literally any dog that Disney's ever produced in some way. So it was really difficult to kind of narrow it down. So to have Max, even at number nine was a test to the character i mean it, right. it, it was no doubt or a top 10 dog for you yeah absolutely um so moving on to number four it, it's funny because uh this dog i absolutely love this dog and i don't know what it is um i'm talking about pondo uh the father obviously from 101 dalmatians now it's funny because the movie itself we can all agree it's an older film it doesn't maybe hold up as well. It's 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 kind of difficult to watch I, I at times. Know. I, you know what it is, but it's, I like I like the random characters in Hundred One Dalmatians more than I like Pongo though. Well, it's funny because I think Pongo it, it shows a sense of story. As weird as it sounds, you, you should almost rewatch Hundred One Dalmatians and look at it as a story about Pongo. And I think even in the beginning, when you watch the film, you know, you saw him, he's just trying to hang out with Roger and, you know, they're just trying to, again, back to their buddy old pals. And I think Pondo is always trying to look for something more, right? He's always looking out the window, looking at the other dogs passing. He's trying to make his owner, Roger, happy by bringing him to the park and trying to almost get him to hook up with, you know, or find his loved one. So, and then he becomes this father, right? Which was kind of an unexpected thing. And now he, he, he transitions to that same passion and caring for his all 101 kids and then the journey to help find them and save them. So I, I honestly feel like this is really about a Pondo. And I feel like you, you from the very get of the opening scene, you start to understand and you really can connect with the character. So for me, I, I love Pondo. I think he's awesome. So you think a movie called 101 Dalmatians is about the Dalmatian? 
yes, the 100. Okay. I just wanted to make sure that we <laughs> to make sure that we were clear. Uh, no, Drew, you're absolutely right. For me, um, he was lower on my list, and in fact, I had the Colonel on my list at oh, some point colonel. too. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of. Su- I'm actually a big fan of 101 Dalmatians. My kids, not so much. I actually Same. love 101 Dalmatians. It's one of my favorite Disney movies, you know, low key that never really ever enters my mind in terms of if we make a list of favorite movies. But when I really sit down, 101 Dalmatians for me is one of my favorites. I, I do like Rolly, not Jordana's Rolly, but but Rolly in this one where he's always hungry. Um, I, I just. Yeah, I mean, I have no problem with Pongo being here. I mean, and again, outside of Max and Eric, I think that Roger and Pongo's relationship is is legit, the quintessential uh, man and dog relationship. And you're absolutely right, Drew. Pongo is the catalyst because it's him that wants to get Roger a girlfriend in in Anita, and he looks at all the the artists. Oh no, she's too weird. Oh no, she's too fancy. Oh, oh yeah, look at her. Yeah. So it is funny to see it from a dog's eyes. And I was having to go with you, but uh, it's absolutely, absolutely a a fun film. And and Pongo himself is a great character. Jordan, anything from you? No, I just, I agree that he's just, he's definitely one of the more memorable um, Disney dogs. And when you think of, 101 Dalmatians, like, I couldn't even name Rolly, but I just know Pongo is one of them, you know? So, like, yeah. he's, the, he's the first name that comes to mind. So, um, he definitely made a lasting effort, so. Rolly, Lucky, Patch, Perdita. Yeah, I mean, so, it's funny, I actually thought, they actually do have names for almost all of these dogs. It's crazy. It's freaking incredible. It brings me back to the Happy Meal toys when they actually Which, had one hundred different toys. If you can find all 101 on eBay, it's very expensive to get all 101 I have together. a lot of them. I probably have 40. Yeah. Very in interesting. Package. One of the great Happy Meal toys ever was the 101 dogs. You never knew what you were going to get. They had the white badge you couldn't see through. Is that true <laughs> or no? I think you made that up. I may have made that up. You're anyway, right. so the next one on our list is the highest ranked dog that only got two votes, and Jordana's going to have to do some splaining on why Copper from Fox and the Hound was not on her list, because he's a hound dog. Roo, roo, roo. So, Jordana, <laughs> why wasn't Copper on your list? I... You just forgot about him. Just forget about yeah. him. It's okay. I, kind of, Fox I forgot about him. I gotta be honest. And this is why we do research. And I should have probably, like, because I had little brother on my list, and Bub didn't, and then Bub added him in. I probably added Copper on my list. Not gonna lie, but yeah. I just I I haven't seen the movie in so long. Oh, it's, it's one of my favorites. Yeah, uh, see, this is, now see this one, Jordana. I feel is similar to how Drew feels about 101 Dalmatians not really holding up. I don't think Fox and the Hound hold up that well when I watch. Yeah. It's, it it's tough. But Jordana, what kind of dog does a vampire have? Oh Jesus, a bloodhound. Wow. See what I did there? But um, Bloodhound Gang? Bloodhound, no. Nope. nope. Come on. They had some great songs. So, I mean, I was close. Uh, But no, yeah, Topper, it's funny. I mean, Todd and Topper made such a a great... Todd sucks. (laughs) Yes. Todd alone sucks. Todd as an adult sucks. But Todd (laughs) and Topper, as two young, innocent little kids out in the world, exploring the forest, and, and doing... I think what makes it work so well is, is they're doing something they're not supposed to be doing, right? They're not mm-hmm. supposed to be with each other. It's it's like mixing oil and vinegar or 
Oil and oil and water. Oil and vinegar. Oil and water. It's, it's on a table. Where it's oil and water does not work. That's the one. So it's again, like I don't, oil I don't know what's water. wrong with him tonight. <laughs> it's um, but yeah, it's 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 copper is just you know the cool guy just trying to explore like I said and just um it's his it's his go it's his attitude is just you know it's uh laid back and uh you know you know he again he knows he's not supposed to be doing it and as he gets older you start to see it but I like Chief. Chief, Chief's a solid guy. He's yeah. a ch- solid pup. But yeah, it's so, the same thing. It's you know. So it's funny. I'm gonna I'm gonna spring stuff on you here. We got two more dogs in the top ten, but I've been taking notes this okay. episode as we're doing this. I think we need to talk about dogs that we didn't put on this list when we're done because I think we missed some opportunities here with some sure. of these dogs, and we can talk about that. I wanted to get it out of the way. Uh, Drew, number two, mm-hmm. I, I think is your number one. And Jordana's number four and my number seven. So he made all the lists or she made all the lists or it made all the lists. Um, Drew, go ahead. You you had this dog ranked highest. So go ahead. From uh, single-handedly the best animated Disney film of all time. That's a fact, folks. That's not an opinion. Uh, Of course, I'm talking about Peter Pan. and, And of course, I'm talking about the beloved Nana. I mean... Any parent, not that the Darlings were, were class A people, but any parents that can leave their children with a dog kind of responsible. Yeah, you could say Wendy was there, but, you know, they leave a lot of pressure on Nana. And um, she's just a fun, loving, you know, daughter. She's also one that I want to give a big hug to. And, you know, you instantly connect with her in a lot of the opening scenes, right, where she's trying to pick up the blots and she's trying to pour the... Uh, you know, the medicine or whatever it was for the kids. It's just, um, she's more than a dog. She's exactly like her name implies. She's a Nana for the children, tucking them into bed, picking up their stuffed animals. I mean, it's just the, the, the typical dog companion, but so much more. And I love it. I love, I love it. What she's definitely like, like you said, she's like the Nana or the nanny of the, of the group, but, um, She's definitely very lovable, very responsible, um, mm. you know, definitely takes her job seriously. But like, it, it's just it's more than like you said, it's more than a dog. And um, just how much of an impact um, she made on the movie. And yeah. then it's like watching them fly in the sky and just <laughs> you just like you remember that scene, too. So, well, I- um, I never forget and never gets old the scene where Mr. Darling, you know, falls and bangs himself and stuff. And then all of a sudden Nana falls and all the kids are running over to the dad and they run right by him. Oh, Nana. (laughs) And it's just priceless. It's one of those scenes that, you know, it's just, it's stuck in the memory bank. Uh, Some might say it's a core memory, bub. I also must say that I do like Nana. I also like when the little guy, the the youngest of the darling children, Michael. Bye, Nana. When they're flying away. Yes. And and when they do, Drew, it's funny when you, because I was thinking you were going a different route. I love when they go to Nana when George falls down and poor Nana. What about <laughs> poor George? And I just, I, I just, it's one of those that shouldn't be uh. as funny as it is. But yeah, I mean, listen, you are a huge, huge fan of that film. Bigger, bigger fan of the film than I am. But uh, Nana is a slam dunk top ten dog. Very easily a top ten dog. I mean, if not for the number one dog on our list, I would assume that Nana probably would have been number one. That's fair. And he, she was number one for you, but yeah, I mean, yeah, based on point wise, that's true. Yeah. 
Well, Pup, why don't you bring us home with the uh, the number one dog? I mean, it's so basic of us, isn't it? It's, it's almost so like he, he shouldn't count. So basic. Yeah, also, right, so it's almost like the Pluto conundrum, uh, the, the Goofy conundrum we had, where, like, we didn't include Goofy because it, whatever, but we included Pluto. And, and clearly, Pluto is, much to Andrew's disagreement, is probably the most recognizable Disney dog, probably the most popular Disney dog. Is he the best? It's open to interpretation, I think. But for me, absolutely, Pluto's number one. It's just what he means. He's, he arguably, outside of Goofy and probably Donald, is probably the best of the Fab Five with the Sensational Six characters. I mean, I, Goofy, Donald, and Pluto in that order, probably Donald, Pluto, and Goofy. It, it, interchangeable, those three, depending on what you're watching. I, I just, it obviously was always going to be Pluto. It was never not going to be Pluto. I mean, it's just I love his short films. I love the interactions he has with with Chip and Dale in the oh, Christmas. Sh- I mean, it's just he's such a great character. The one when he's he's battling the seal and the seals doing all the tricks. I forget the seal's name, but the seals doing all the tricks and there's so Pluto can't do the tricks. So he gets mad. It's just Pluto's a great character. He deserves to be number one. And it's so basic of us to have Pluto as the number one Disney dog. Jordana. I pretty much think we'd get our Disney guys uncensored podcast ripped away from us if we didn't pick Pluto as number one. Please Um, let the record show I was the only one of us that had Pluto at number one. (laughs) But collectively, um, to be fair, Pluto was number two between Bingo and Rolly, and that was a hard decision. So, um, um, But I think that, uh, yeah, like you said, he's he's just a great companion. And most of the time when you see Mickey, Pluto is not too far from him. And most exactly. episodes or movies or shorts or whatever it is, they're, they're usually buddies. They're usually side by side. So I think that just as iconic as Mickey is, Pluto is just as iconic. Yeah, I, and I 100% agree. I mean, when I think of Pluto, that you know, there's one word that always jumps out to me, and it's loyalty. And I think that's with any dog or anybody that has a pet dog. That's that's what you know you think of any dog is loyalty, and and Pluto shows this in so many ways. Um, you know, Bob referenced the whole scene of the Christmas tree with with Chip and Dale. I mean, in a way, you think about it was you know he destroyed the tree, destroyed Christmas, sure, but. In a way, he's trying to defend, you know, the house and the tree by getting Chippendale out of the tree. So it, it always comes back to a way, if you look at it, is loyalty and uh, just a fun, loving character. I agree. I love watching him all, all the times he tries to ice skate and all those things, and he falls on his four legs. Uh, absolutely. Pluto is well-deserved in the number one spot. Uh, Bob, why don't you maybe tell us one or two dogs, you know, we'll just name all the ones that you yeah. wanted to that were on no, your so list I, that didn't I make don't... it. You know, I don't even want to talk about that because now that I've I've kind of done some research mid-episode here, I want you to know that we dropped the ball on some of this Uh-oh. because we don't have a character from Lady and the Tramp. And no. I, I, I'll tell you, though, but but if you look at, like, Jock from Lady and the Tramp, listen, is he a top ten dog? Probably not. I think that's the he problem. Wasn't, he, he wasn't even on any one of our lists, period. There wasn't a character from that movie on anyone's extended list that we had. Mm-hmm. incredible Oliver and company the same thing a lot of really solid characters but that's one of those movies that completely gets overlooked in the disney renaissance and that arguably 
started the Disney Renaissance. That and 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 uh, I believe Rescuers around uh, Rescuers Down Under and Little Mermaid were the three in that time frame that were all came out one two three that kind of started it. Um, again, Drew, you didn't want to talk about it, but Doug did not make our list. I know he was Ooh, on my list at one chop. point. Oh, um, Doug, I'm sorry, Doug. <laughs> the yeah, funny. yeah so, Doug, um, Doug from Up. And then you had Bolt. We didn't talk about Bolt at all, but Bolt's a decent character. Again, I think I like Rhino better than I like Bolt in that film. I like the pigeons more than I like Bolt. Um, and then uh, Homeward Bound. We're on my short list. Uh, Ch- Chance and uh, Shadow again, but I think that you guys kind of had Buddy on the list, so I kind of stood down on the retriever aspect of it, but I think I said this to Drew at work one time. I said, you know, Shadow's fine, but he sucks without chance. Like, he's a useless character without chance. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and, and I think I forget another obvious one of the of the, of the recent years is Dante from yep. Coco. Yep. Uh, a lot of people love Dante, but again, it's tough when, you, when, you, when you're only picking 10. Um, and I mean, and if you really look at our list, a lot of these characters are, you know, are very old. So you know, you know <laughs> who I like too. I guess you know, going older. Bruno from Cinderella, one of those I completely forgot about. But Bruno is solid. List. Bruno yep. is solid. But again, I mean, that's just some. I guess short we could argue about um, uh, what the hell's his name? Footstool there, uh, Sultan from Beauty and the Beast. He's technically uh, yeah. a dog too, and right. he technically does become a dog at the end of the film again but just you know some of these dogs that we missed out on that that probably could have been on the list jordana was there anyone for you outside of captain dog or or bingo that you really thought we should have talked about i know me and you both had buster on our list and andrew had slinky and i think i kind of want to talk about that for a second because we didn't have any rules with this list jordana let's be honest right Why didn't you have Slinky and Buster instead? Because I had Buster for a specific reason and not Slinky for another one. So did you have the same reasons that I had? Um, I had Buster because I know I loved how he grew up within the films. Okay. And I loved how he started off as a puppy and, you know, end of the first one into the second one. And then, you know, by the third one, he's just an old dog. Um, so I loved that. Mm-hmm. Um, Slinky, I didn't have because I thought of him more as a toy than a dog. Yep. And same thing with Stitch. I didn't have Stitch on mm-hmm. my list. He's an alien. He's not really a dog, even right. though he was in a dog shelter. But it's just it's it's these technicalities, I guess, that like kind of like we're like, well, they don't really fit our non-existent, you know, yeah. our non-existent parameters for how yeah, we pick right? these dogs. That, but so, well, I, mean, I think you're missing out the best dog in that film. We should have went with Scud. I mean, no. <laughs> that's Scud, you idiot. Uh, one of the great lines. <laughs> But I, I got to tell you, Jordan, I completely agree. When Andrew said to me, Slinky, he said to me, oh, you picked Buster instead of Slinky. I said, well, Buster's a dog. Slinky's a toy. Yeah. I said, so, I mean, they, yeah, was, yeah, but Slinky acts as a dog. I said, no, no, he's Slinky dog. I get that. But yeah. still a toy. Buster's yeah. an actual dog. I love Buster myself. I, I do. So it was interesting. Drew, is there anyone that you thought belonged there other than Shoeshine? No, Shoeshine didn't belong there. I just needed an opportunity to, to pat myself on the back a little bit. Which I think I just, we've done that quite well. Thank you. Thank you. No, I, do, I, uh, I do agree with Dante, though. Dante was a tough leave for me because I do love Coco. Dante's I love fun, Dante. But listen, but... I, when, when Coco came out, Dante was a huge... He was that comic relief, as Jordan said earlier. He was that fun character. But i got to be honest... He's kind of starting to be forgettable, I want to say, after years have now passed. It's true. I mean, he doesn't 
he doesn't jump out like some of these other dogs do. I mean, he was yeah. fun for when he was there, <laughs> but I think he's forgettable a little bit now. Well, I think what happens, the more we get away from Coco itself, the more the, the human aspect of that story stays with you and it's less about Dante. Exactly. It's more exactly. about yep, yep. Hector and Miguel and the whole family. It, it's clearly right. a more of a human story and Dante is a much more in the background character. Yep. In that, so yeah, no, understood, makes sense. I would say my biggest regret is that Rolf did not make the cut um, as the Muppet, and you I do like to talk about. I him. do, and I do like Sprocket from uh, Fraggle Rock, but that is not a Disney property, so I had to take him off the list. Channel that didn't include Pork Chop from uh, Duck Funny. You wanted to, you I wanted did to. Want to. We talked about that as well, so. Oh, maybe we'll do a non-Disney top ten dog. Well, it'd, be, it'd be every character from Secret Life of Pets. Well, I think Brian would be up there from Family Guy. Let's be, Probably. Well, is he, is he not a real dog, Let's too, be. though? Oh, I don't know. Brian would be a good pick, and I I mean, yeah, Brian would be – we'd have Brian. to pull song – we'd have to pull song clips for Brian, though. It would just be a Brian episode. It'd be great. <laughs> Coming in season two. Uh, well, I think before we wrap up all these uh, these these wonderful dogs, Bob, I have one question for you. What do you call a dog magician? Elabra Cadabra. Folks, that's it. That's all I have for these amazing top dogs. But folks, we have what we have been waiting for for 99 episodes. I don't think it needs any further introduction. Let's head over to the Random House of Mouse. I'm going to go Nick Fury on you guys for a second. Uh, this all started as an idea, an idea to, to put a team together of extraordinary individuals. And in this case, an extraordinary individual um, power line from the Goofy movie uh, from like 1995. I think it's such a, a random character. And what we did here is this is a behind the music uh, Drew, is it a parody? Is it like a treatment? Yeah, think, is it like a, is it a short is, story? I think a like parody is 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 fair. Uh, you know, Powerline is such a unique character where he's such a minor character in the film. Yet, if you look into and discover what we're about to show you and and and, and go on above and beyond anything, he has so much history and so much character design and so much thought went into this insignificant character really and he ended up turned into this amazing cult following classic and that's really how i feel about this character um but yeah bub i mean take it away i mean what else is there to say i mean for me this was one of those that i want to say it's like fan fiction yeah that's fair it's uh i kind of fleshed out a backstory for powerline and this one drew i want to say was um back in March or April mm-hmm. of this year 
we were going to do a Powerline episode. We're going to do a Goofy Movie episode. We just never did it. And you got to understand, it's one of those that it's not like doing an episode about Disney dogs or doing an episode about parks. Because, like Drew said, it's such a... I don't want to say it's an obscure character, but it's a deep-cut character. Like, if you've never seen a Goofy movie, it's not like Powerline is in anything else. I mean, Powerline, he is in a Goofy movie. That, that's it. You, you could watch... You'd say, I've seen the Goofy movie, and you still might not remember him. I, you know, you hate to say it that way, but it is, in a way, if you saw it a long time ago, you still might not know who Powerline is. Right. Um, and, I mean, really, he's a musician at heart. And, and I think yeah. there's a lot more than that. But, um, yeah. So I think what we tried to do here is give you Powerline's backstory the best way we could. And that is with a VH1 behind the music special. The music of Powerline. The year, 1995. The setting? An amphitheater near you. 1995 was a huge year for music. It featured touring acts such as the Rolling Stones, Bob Dylan, Billy Joel and Elton John, Janet Jackson, Phil Collins, and Bruce Springsteen. The Billboard charts featured the likes of Coolio, TLC, Madonna, Boys to Men, Blues Traveler, and Montel Jordan. However, all of these artists were chasing one man, a man born in the sleepy Mississippi Delta, a man inspired by Prince, Michael Jackson, Meatloaf, Lionel Richie, and Evelyn King. This is the Disney Guys Uncensored behind the music of Powerline. George Davidson was born July 27, 1974, in the sleepy small town of Natchez, Mississippi, a city of fewer than 15,000, and one of the oldest along the Mississippi River. It is now recognized as somewhat of a Delta Blues haven, the city has borne such legends as Papa Lightfoot, King Ernest Baker, Arthur Big Boy Spires, and of course the man that gave Davidson his big break, legendary producer Glenn Ballard. Ballard was a veritable genius when it came to discovering and cultivating new talent. He had his hands in some of the most quintessential albums of a generation. His long list of work includes Michael Jackson's Thriller, Michael Jackson's Bad, Evelyn King's Love Come Down compilation, Teddy Pendergrass's Working It Back, and eventually one of modern rock's most landmark albums, Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill. Before all of that happens, however, we need to run it back to the fall of 1990. Ballard had just finished working on Wilson Phillips' debut album that moved 10 million units. He was burnt out creatively and physically spent. Ballard had retreated home to catch up on some downtime. Fate, however, would soon intervene. Only meant as a two-week break, Ballard would spend four and a half months back home in Mississippi. He reconnected with his roots and began to write feverishly. During this time, he would pen the classics I Wonder Why and Never Saw a Miracle that would be the anchor tracks for Curtis Steiger's new album. He also started to lay out work that would be featured on Michael Jackson's Dangerous album. However... Ballard, never one to rest on his laurels, was itching for something new. He was on a quest to discover the next Prince or Michael Jackson. What happened next proved to be serendipitous for Ballard and for Davidson. George Davidson has cut its teeth in the local bars of Natchez, such as Club Paradise, Smoot's Grocery Blues Lounge, 
the Rhythm Nightclub, and of course, the Under the Hill Saloon. He started crafting his on-stage persona at 15, and with the help of a poorly made fake ID, was able to sneak into these clubs and perform on open mic nights. He honed his craft and developed a fiercely loyal regional following. And it just so happens, during one of his show-stopping performances of the, Gall- of the Ballard-penned Michael Jackson mega-hit Man in the Mirror, Ballard himself was in the bar, and he had never heard his song performed like that, ever. Period. Including from the Prince of Pop. It was raw. It was aggressive. It was almost bluesy. And from the second that first note hit Ballard's ear, he knew he had to write for that voice. After Davidson had finished his set, Ballard introduced himself, and over a cocktail featuring tequila, blue curacao, pineapple, and orange juice with a splash of coconut rum, aptly named the Power Line, a deal was struck. Ballard would sign Davidson to his new upstart label, Ballard Music Group. Power Line, as he was now known, recorded two albums for Ballard's label, the debut Memories of You, which dropped in March of 1992, featured the title track Get With Ya, Forever You, and After Midnight. All of the tracks were co-written by Ballard and Davidson. They headed right back to the studio to write and record the follow-up album titled Powerline. The new album took almost two years to put together, and it was released in March of 1994. It had immediate success on the strength of the two lead singles, Eye to Eye and Stand Out. Critics agreed the duo created an artistic masterpiece. It featured deep cuts, such as the beautiful ballad, wide open, the beautiful ballad, wide open spaces, the operatic Me Plus You, and the blues-infested Gonna Steal Your Heart. Critics raved, audience ate it up, and the album went five times diamond, selling just over 50 million units, a remarkable feat only eclipsed by Michael Jackson's Thriller. They didn't realize a few short months after that album's debut that the legacy and legend of Powerline would be cemented forever during the most electric rock and roll tour the world had ever seen. The shows ran nearly three and a half hours a night, and many times ran past local curfew. They marketed the tour as a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and the show featured no opening act. The tour was a huge success, selling out all 44 dates and doing huge business at the box office and at the merchandise stand. The tour featured three sets per show, a solo electric, an acoustic quartet, and a full band set. Some of the highlights of this tour were the Auckland, New Zealand stop, which was recorded and later released as a fan club exclusive vinyl album. The Beijing, China stop, which was recorded live for home video release. It was in the Beijing show where they announced a pay-per-view special that was to be taking place in Los Angeles later that summer. There were stops in Athens, Georgia at the 40 Watt Club. There was a homecoming show at Club Paradise in Natchez, Mississippi. There was even a Powerline Live at Red Rocks double live album that was recorded in Morrison, Colorado. Before he hit Los Angeles, he played the Golden Gate Park Summer Concert Series in San Francisco and the Wave Rave on the Beach 95 in San Diego. It wasn't so much a concert experience as it was a spiritual awakening, reminiscent of what went down on a farm in upstate New York in the summer of 69. With this great success came even greater problems. The guys were burnt out. They had spent nearly every day for three years together, and the time in the studio and on the road had fractured their relationship. 
both felt that the other owed a significant debt of gratitude to the other. And after lots of deliberations, they agreed to take they agreed to take the rest of the year off and see what happened after that. There were four more albums left on the initial contract that was signed back at that bar, and all parties involved agreed that a few months away from each other would be best from a creative standpoint. During this agreed-upon break, Balor entered negotiations with Capitol Records to create a new label. Gobsmacked by Capitol's offer, Balor and his lawyers finalized a deal to create Java Records. When this deal was finalized, it triggered an out clause in Powerline's contract, effectively making him a free agent. For George Davidson, it was a liberating moment. No longer tied to four more albums with the Ballard Music Group, he could further explore his own creative and artistic concepts. For Powerline, the timing couldn't have been much worse. The music industry had changed drastically in the 18 months. Bluesy pop was no longer selling, and the dance hits of his first two albums now seemed quaint by what was on the radio. The airwaves were being taken over by cutting-edge hip-hop trio The Fugees, and rap icons Nas and Tupac had dropped some epic lyrical masterpieces. Even a second British invasion was taking place. The Spice Girls and Oasis were taking over pop music, and rock and roll was being overrun by angsty modern sounds, from Bush and the Smashing Pumpkins to Silverchair. Even Ballard's newest project, Alanis Morissette, seemed light years ahead of where Powerline was. Powerline had nowhere to turn. He eventually self-funded a third album titled All Things Pass, to mostly mixed reviews. Musically, the album lacked originality. However, one thing everyone agreed on, lyrically, it was excellent. George Davidson saw an opportunity to become a songwriter, not just for himself, but for other artists as well. He correctly gauged that the world, while the world may not need Powerline, they certainly needed George Davidson's words. He became one of the most prolific songwriters around, and eventually reconciled with Ballard, and the songwriting duo even teamed up on some projects again, including co-writing hits for Aerosmith's Nine Lives album and Morissette's Jagged Little Pill follow-up, supposed, supposed former infatuation junkie. When Ballard founded his new production company in 2011, George Davidson was his first hire. The two of them shared a philosophy, that time has a way of humbling most people, as it did to them both in the early 90s. Powerline, who but for a brief moment was the king of the music industry and toast of Hollywood, always said, the difference between winning and losing is most often not quitting. He never quits, and he continues to write for artists to this day. He was a 2017 inductee into the Songwriter Hall of Fame, and was the guest speaker at the University of Mississippi when the school dedicated its new School of Musical Arts in Glenn Ballard's name in 2008. When he's not writing music, George Davidson can be found at his estate on Beach Boulevard in Pascagoula, Mississippi, where he lives with his longtime partner Gabriel and their four children, Stacy, Jacqueline, Rhett, and Lonnie. And that is the behind-the-music story of Powerline. Notice me.